This episode contains discussions of child abuse, child death, suicide, alcoholism, family trauma, and mental health. Dean Winchester is, in a word, my soulmate. I started kinning him at an impressionable age when the show aired in Australia on Fox 8 and I have not been the same since. From his devil may care attitude to his undying love for his family that pierces the veil of death to save the day, he really is the most. I have to say at the beginning that this episode of Holy Hell will not include discussions of Dean's sexuality and gender. I'm saving that for its own episode, so stay tuned my pals. What we know of Dean as he develops over the course of the first episode is, he's been hunting and hunting alone, he's 26 years old, he drives a sweet 67 Impala, he wears an old leather jacket, he listens to 1980s metal, and he has an arsenal of weapons and supernatural fighting talismans in his trunk. He's also a smartass, one of his most endearing qualities. He gets defensive about his and Sam's mother and her death, and he defends their father over and over. He's a loyal son and brother. The impetus to bring Sam back into the hunting life, after Sam decided for good that he was going to leave, is to bring his family back together. The quality that defines Dean Winchester is how much he loves his family. In the first episode, he is so worried about his father that he recruits Sam to help look for him, even though Sam and Dean haven't spoken in two years. He spends most of the first season defending John, but when John comes back and starts arguing with Sam, Dean protects his brother. It's one of the most significant examples of character growth Dean undergoes throughout the entire series, and it's where his loyalties shift from John to Sam. In the episode of season 2, Croatoan, Dean decides not to shoot Sam when Sam contracts the Croatoan virus which turns people rabid and makes them kill. In the next episode, Hunted, Dean reveals that John told him to kill Sam if Dean couldn't save him, but Dean doesn't. He says that John begged Dean not to tell Sam, but it's not John's words that keep Dean silent. It's his love for Sam and Sam's well-being. And this brotherly love slash codependency is used by characters throughout the entire series, from the demons in season 1 to the literal character of biblical God in season 15, to manipulate Dean and Sam. As many characters have pointed out, including Dean and Sam themselves, they are each other's weak points. At the end of season two, when Sam dies from a stab wound in his spine, Dean trades his own life for Sam's. He makes a deal with a crossroads demon, his soul for Sam's life, and subsequently dies and goes to hell at the end of season three. Dean literally dies a gruesome death and spends 40 years being tortured in hell because he couldn't live without Sam. At the end of season eight, Sam is dying from the effects of the trials, which he undergoes in order to close the gates of hell, and Dean convinces him to stop because, again, he can't live without Sam. Side note, this is where I stopped being interested in their brotherly dynamic to the point of losing interest in the show. It became clear to me that the showrunners were more concerned with rehashing the same tired storylines between Sam and Dean than focus on characters who could expand the world and make the show better. In fact, they killed off a lot of the interesting side characters in order to keep the show solely focused on the brothers. The exception to this is Castiel, and the reason they kept Cass around is because when he died in season 7, the ratings tanked. Like, they were going to be cancelled, tanked. 
If that wasn't a clear enough sign that the showrunners needed to open up the show to more than just Sam and Dean's caustic dynamic, in which they die and kill for and then betray and lie to each other over and over, then I just don't know what the fans could have done to convince them. Nothing, apparently, because they ended the show with just Sam and Dean. Dean's relationship with John is fraught with insecurity and codependency. Dean has so little sense of self that what he does consider to be his carefully curated list of likes and dislikes were inherited directly from John, his car, his leather jacket, his hunting abilities, and his music taste. He also throws himself into hunts without any regard for his own safety, because he doesn't believe that he is worth saving, or that his life is worth living. His personality is crafted from both John's reliance on him as a son, hunter, and partner in crime, and the woman he assumes Mary to be. Dean's sense of self-worth relies on how many people he can save. This is why, in season 2 episode What Is and What Should Never Be, Dean's dream reality is one in which he's a low-life loser who disappoints his family. Because without John pushing him to be a hunter, Dean doesn't save people, and because he doesn't save people, he isn't worth anything. Bear in mind that this is the best reality Dean's mind could conjure for him, one in which his father is dead and he himself is not worth saving. In one of the most famous exchanges, he asks Cass why an angel would rescue him from hell, and Cass replies, what's the matter? You don't think you deserve to be saved. 29 years of bluster, insouciance, and a give em hell attitude crumbles in two sentences, wrought by a being Dean refuses to believe exists because, again, he doesn't think he deserves to be saved by them. He says, why me? I don't like getting singled out at birthday parties, let alone by God. He thinks of himself so lowly that he accepted a one-year deal in exchange for Sam being alive. Dean cares so much about his family, he lets it kill him. But it's not just Sam, Mary, and John. Dean's family grows to encompass a number of side characters, most notably Bobby, their surrogate father, Charlie Bradbury, the hacker, Claire Novak, Jack Klein, and Lisa and Ben Braden. Even Mary makes another appearance in seasons 12 to 14. Unfortunately, because the show is the way it is, Dean puts Sam above all of these characters, and then these characters are written out of the show. I should specify that Cass is not a side character. In most seasons, Misha Collins is billed as a main cast member, with his name appearing after Jensen Ackles in the credits, but he still dies in the third last episode in order to have the show stay about the brothers. Even Jack, inarguably Cass and Dean's son, is written out of the show in the second last episode after dying multiple times. I say inarguably because I'm not going to argue with anyone about this. Claire and Jack are Dean and Cass's kids. Dean and Cass are great parents who chaperone Jack's prom and buy Claire her first hunting bow. They are one big, happy, queer, neurodivergent family. Dean loves the people in his life with reckless abandon. The times he's excused Cass's behaviour after Cass has done something ridiculous or foolish are too many to count. He grieves Cass's multiple deaths, often succumbing to his alcoholism and entropy whenever Cass leaves him for more than a day. In a truly beautiful scene, Dean wraps Cass's corpse in a curtain and watches, utterly and completely devastated, as his body burns. By this point, they have done so much for each other that it's impossible to even envision the show without Cass, and indeed imagine Dean without his love for Cass. And we don't have to for very long, as Cass always comes back a few episodes later. Even knowing this, the episodes where Dean mourns Cass are so heartbreaking and haunting that I cried for days after watching them. Dean is great with kids, and every time he's not is completely the fault of whoever is writing him in any given episode. We see him bonding with Lisa's son Ben in season 3 and 6, Jesse in the season 5 episode I Believe the Children Are Our Future, and Lucas in the season 1 episode Dead in the Water. 
With every child he meets, Dean gets on their level, empathizing with them in a way most adults can't. Like Claire and Jack, Dean has a complicated relationship with his father, who dies at the beginning of season two after bargaining his soul for Dean's life to the demon that took their mother. <laughs> Just like anybody else's life, right? <laughs> this means that Dean can relate to most children with traumatic backgrounds involving their parents as a victim of parental abuse and having his mother die at age four. I can't find any sources to back this up, but a theory that rolled around in fandom was that Dean became mute after Mary died, which is what happens to Lucas after his father drowns. He says in Dead in the Water that he loves kids, and it's true. As one Tumblr user put it, Dean wanted to be baby trapped. Dean carries the deaths and pain of his loved ones with him like Atlas carrying the world on his shoulders. When Claire is bitten by a werewolf, the characters administer blood of the sire wolf that bit her in order to cure her of her lycanthropy. Dean has to leave the room while she's in pain because he can't bear to watch her die. The same goes for when Jack dies. Thankfully, Claire lives and Jack comes back a few episodes later. When thinking about Dean being a father, I'm reminded of the scene from Scrubs where Dr. Cox says he's worried about being a father because his own dad was an abusive alcoholic. The difference between Dr. Cox and Dean is that Dean doesn't have his reservations about raising kids. He fits into Lisa and Ben's life easily, and for the first year, we see a montage which includes him teaching Ben how to fix cars. When Claire lets her guard down enough to hug Dean, he hugs back just as hard. When he finally deals with the trauma of Cass dying in season 13, he accepts Jack into his life and even grieves Jack when he dies. Dean escapes the intergenerational trauma that plagues his family by being a fantastic dad to the random kids who happen into his life by chance. He was born to be a father, and the fact that this show took that away from him and us as an audience makes me want to kick the showrunners into the sun. Until season 6, Dean's family only included men. The concept of the nuclear family, two sons, a husband and a wife, was ripped apart in the prologue of the first episode when Mary dies. Dean doesn't know family for the first five seasons of the show outside Sam, Cass, John and Bobby. I do consider Ellen and Joe to be important to the story, but they're only in a handful of episodes and die in season 5 for a reason that is plainly ridiculous. Did the Winchesters have to lose every single person in their lives to the fight? Clearly Kripke thought they were going to be cancelled after the fifth season, because it shows. And honestly, maybe they should have. Let's retroactively cancel the whole show. You can't hold power over us anymore, because it's dead and we cremated it. But when Dean moves in with Lisa and Ben, he discovers a new type of family he didn't have before, and new family dynamics. Instead of the 28-year-old son that Sam is to him, he takes the opportunity to teach Ben about cars and spends time with him and Lisa without the need to hunt. He gets a job, he makes friends, and he lives a safe apple pie life he begrudged Sam for in the pilot episode. It's only when Sam reappears into his life that Dean's codependency strikes again, and he realizes that he can't live half in the normal world with Lisa and Ben, and half in the hunting world with Sam. Sam says this himself in the first episode of season 6, Exile on Main Street. Despite the ways Dean tried to settle down throughout the rest of the nine seasons, the showrunners ultimately decided that a man who was healing from trauma and addiction, who had adopted two kids of his own and was learning how to bake cakes for his son's birthday, deserved to die at the ripe age of 40, a week or so after he'd learned that his best friend was in love with him. You gotta laugh. Instead of getting the ending both Dean and we deserved, in which Dean settles down, opens a bar, and lives the next 40 years in relative gay peace while he gets fat and watches Cheers reruns, well, we got something else. And I will always be bitter about that. 
While it's clear from the first season that he is reckless in suicidal tendencies, he doesn't stop fighting to the bitter end. When faced with his own impending death in the season 2 premiere, In My Time of Dying, he fights to stay alive for Sam and John, while working the mystery that is overcoming his own death. Devastated as he is by Sam diving into hell at the end of season 5 and seemingly gone for good, Dean still gets up every day and makes a life for himself in Lisa's home. While season 6 was overall a bummer of a season, like, just god-awful in every aspect, saved from my complete vitriol only by the French mistake, it did show us how great a dad Dean can be, and readied us for what was to come, being Claire and Jack's dad. The lengths he goes to for his family are immense and all-consuming. As Cass says in despair, Dean is a being of love. He loves everyone else, even when he can't find it in him to love himself. He really thinks that he's just a killer, not a father or a husband. I've never subscribed to the idea that we have to love ourselves before we can love anyone else, or before anyone else can love us. Sorry RuPaul, you old bitch. We are all deserving of love, because love sustains us and helps us grow. And when we don't know how to, it's through loving others that we can learn to love ourselves. If Dean knew what a great father and friend and husband and brother he is, if he could see himself the way others, in the show and out of it, see him, I think he'd burst. You don't like getting singled out of birthday parties? Well, tough shit, Dean Winchester, because I'm going to devote an entire podcast to you. I talked about Dean's carefully curated list of likes and dislikes before, but I'll go into more detail now. Things he likes. Guns. Rock and roll. Nice cars. Women. Fighting. Scamming people at pool. Back alley blowjobs, probably. Pie. Driving across the country. Aussie concerts. Cowboy movies being in control of every little thing in his life. His dislikes are flying on planes, hair metal, angels and demons, anyone who harms his brother, his best friend, or his kids, boredom, and being jerked around. Okay, I <laughs> okay, I literally cannot talk about the cowboy movies without mentioning that he makes Cass watch them with him in his Dean cave, and the implications of that make my head roll off my body and into the dirt. Like, they literally have gay little movie nights and watch their gay little cowboy movies together, and Dean says all the gay little lines. I said I wasn't going to talk about his sexuality, but mentioning cowboy movies leads to Cass wearing a cowboy hat and saying, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> this makes me insane. <laughs> Excuse me, I must have my daily scream. I've collected myself. Have I? Let's just move on. In the Winchester tradition of inherited family trauma, Dean gets all of John's interests and Sam gets all of John's mistakes. Dean's personality throughout the show is basically quippy remarks, pop culture references, laughing with food in his mouth, and grouchiness. In case you haven't realised, he is amazing to me. Every time he fires a rifle or a pistol, couldn't be better. Eating a burger made out of donuts, fucking incredible. Even when faced with beings with untold power, he doesn't lose his cool. One of my favourite exchanges is when Zachariah comes to Chuck's house in the first episode of season 5, Sympathy for the Devil, and starts soliloquizing at him. Dean tells him to cram it with walnuts ugly. <laughs> cram it with walnuts ugly. <laughs> It's been 10 years, and <laughs> that still gets me. <laughs> Top 10 Dean lines, for sure. 
like all of my main characters throughout the years of writing original fiction are just Dean Winchester, but girl. And I'm a good writer, but I can never come close to the level of hilarity that he achieves. Grandma with all that's ugly. And every single writer on the show seems to get that. The only times I can think of where Dean's characterization has irked me on a writing level are in season six, basically the entire thing, and the way he treats Jack in the later seasons, specifically late season 15. But it's rare for me to watch an episode and not enjoy Dean. Even throughout the Mark of Cain era, which I loved, when things were very serious, he had such style and panache and held himself so confidently that I was like, wait, maybe he made some points? Maybe he should kill everyone? Dean is a hunter and a killer, but that's not all he is. He's very skilled in hand-to-hand combat, weaponry, and tactical maneuvers. Even when something doesn't go exactly to plan, he's usually able to improvise something to end up with a win. Because he is the main character, his choices and reactions, while sometimes extremely problematic, are never questioned, and that's to his detriment. In the last episode of season 14, Mariah, Dean is unable to kill Jack, but in early season 15, he treats Jack's betrayal as Cass's fault, because he can't take it out on Jack. Cass leaves, but it's framed as a good thing because Cass is Jack's father and has to take responsibility for what Jack has done. In this instance, I don't blame Cass at all. Okay, I really blame Cass for anything, including the things he's done wrong, because no, he didn't, and you can't prove it. But he especially didn't do anything wrong when Jack killed Mary, and he didn't do anything wrong by killing Belphegor. By the middle of the season, in the episode The Trap, Dean admits his wrongdoing in taking his anger out on Cass, one of the only people in his life who loves without conditions. You'd think this would be a defining moment of character progression, but then Dean chooses to act exactly the same way by throwing Jack under the bus. Like throwing him harder, under a bigger bus. So what was the point? Anyway, those choices were ones that the writers made and not Dean. Going back to what I was saying about being neurodivergent, Dean has ADHD. I know this because I have ADHD and I'm Dean coded. He's wildly creative, impulsive, has a touch of OCD, and has a hard time making long-lasting friends, although this is mostly due to how all his friends die. His best friend is an autistic angel, and the only reason they're still friends is because they're obsessed with each other in, like, a really unhealthy way. One of the funny things about his and Cass's relationship is that every time you see them in the same shot, Cass is standing perfectly still and Dean is constantly moving. They are almost complete opposites, aside from their queerness and neurodivergence. But then, I haven't met a single queer person in my entire life who isn't neurodivergent or disabled in some way. That doesn't mean we can't live perfectly functional and normal lives, it just means we're better than everybody else. Dean also exhibits black and white thinking. To him, all felons are redeemable and all monsters should be killed. Felons are redeemable because he himself is a felon, and monsters should be killed because they all do monstrous things. When faced with the possibility of angels being real, he refuses to believe it for the first two episodes because, as he said, he's never seen one. Eventually, he learns how to see in shades of grey and not kill every monster he meets, but this is because of his time in purgatory with Benny, his Cajun vampire boyfriend. Another sign of Dean's ADHD is physical sensitivity. In the season 1 episode, Bugs, he comments on the shower's water pressure. Like, it's a big deal to him when he's only ever used one-star motel room showers. In the later seasons, he's also seen to wear a fluffy robe and soft pyjamas, 
with hot dogs on them and socks that say send nudes, but nudes spell like noodles. And so he should. Dean deserves comfort. He's a special boy. ADHDers often have problems with executive function. Remembering appointments, cleaning up after ourselves, showering, eating, even going to the toilet when we need to pee. The hunting life excludes Dean from the normal functions of usual life, such as dentist appointments, dropping the kids off at school, meal prepping for the week, or turning up to a job on time. These were only factors in Dean's life during the gap between seasons 5 and 6 when he lived with Lisa and Ben, and it's not shown how his executive dysfunction impacted his suburban settled life, but Lisa does mention that Dean drinks a lot. It's another thing he inherited from John, much as I did my alcoholism from my father, and my ADHD too. But Sam doesn't drink to excess more than a handful of times over the entire 15 seasons, whereas Dean subsists on alcohol to get through the day. At one point in season 11, I'm pretty sure, don't fact check me, he is shown to be drinking a beer at 10 in the morning because, as he says to Sam, you drank all the coffee, what do you want me to do? Drink water? Dean, your liver must be quaking. Excess is a common problem for people with ADHD. We have problems with limiting ourselves. Because our dopamine machine broke, anything that gives us a little bit of high, such as sugar, sex, alcohol, stimulants, any kind of food that is bad for us but tastes real good, we usually have it in excess because we can't help ourselves. In the season 4 episode, It's the Great Pumpkin, Sam Winchester, Dean eats the entirety of the candy in the Impala. The only reasons I don't eat everything in my fridge every day is because one, I don't have the money, and two, it's all ingredients I have to prepare and not ready-made food. Whereas Dean has only known fast food for the first 10 or so seasons until he starts cooking and baking and settling into domesticity. Like anyone who gets Uber Eats every day instead of cooking for themselves knows how expensive that is. He also engages in meaningless sex, although people have pointed out that Sam actually gets more on-screen action than Dean. But I know a lot of AMAB people who engage in casual sex with randos because it satisfies a base need. Dean could be classified as hypersexual in some regards, but I know what hypersexuality feels like and it's like this overwhelming miasma where you can't think about anything except how horny you are, and I don't think Dean has that normally. Maybe when he was a demon in season 10, but I generally think he can control himself. His settled life in the Men of Letters bunker is a far cry from his flashbacks in season 8 to Purgatory. From what we know of Purgatory, the land of gods and monsters, it was a year-long monster hunt, but without any of the boring paperwork. Dean got to fight and kill as many vampires, ghouls, leviathan, etc. as came his way, and that's why it's absolutely ridiculous that he died by rebar in a vampire fight. He spent an entire year spilling blood and chopping off heads, and he dies by metal bar to the spine, and he's not even coughing up blood? Andrew Dab, I'm coming for you. Of course, Purgatory is the perfect place for Dean, because it's constant adrenaline, constant excitement, constant stimulation, which is what everyday life lacks. Even Dean's everyday life is like 20% monster killing, and the rest is legwork. They go weeks or months between cases and sometimes don't find the monster at all, so I'm not surprised he gets bored easily and drinks. Would if I could too, my pal. Which leads me on to dwelling. Dean dwells on the horrors of his life in a way I do and my carefree older brothers don't. In the season 4 episode Heaven and Hell, he reveals to Sam that he remembers his entire 40 years in hell and there are flashbacks of his memory littered throughout the season in creepy split-second increments. He dwells on the people who die, doing his thousand-yard stare from the funeral pyre of everyone they cremate. 
In the most egregious display of dwelling, he rewrites history twice to deal with his grief. In season 8, he makes himself believe that it was his fault Cass didn't come back from purgatory with him. And again, in season 13, he invents the story of Jack controlling Cass to deal with his grief over Cass's death. His PTSD twists the truth until it becomes another way to torture himself, because if someone gets hurt, it's on him. Everyone who loves him is just one more person to disappoint. On a lighter note, hyperfixations, equivalent to autism special interests, are a common trait of ADHD. Some of Dean's hyperfixations include hunting in general, cowboy and cowboy movies, the musical Rent, the movie Braveheart, and LARPing. He loves dressing up and acting, and what is putting on a monkey suit and lying about being a fed if not LARPing? Oh god, the matter of that coupled with the season 4 episode, the monster at the end of this book is making my head hurt. One of the amazing things about ADHD is creativity. Since we're easily bored and easily amused, we're constantly pushing the boundaries of our curiosity. In the season 3 episode Bloodlust, Dean decapitates a vampire with a mitosaur, something that even veteran vampire hunter Gordon Walker comments is a thing of beauty. Dean creates a Malak box in season 14 episode Damaged Goods as a way to contain Michael if he ever inhabits Dean's body again. Dean is always making up words like Werepire and Jefferson Starships, and he has an almost encyclopedic knowledge of pop culture, which he references in almost every line of dialogue. Like, TV and movies raised me, but even I don't understand a lot of his references. It's almost like he's a character in a TV show being written by dozens of people. But that's not right. He's a real person and my friend. My friend Dean Winchester, who shouts me burgers and passes out on my couch. Also, I'm bragging now, but as of the day of writing this, I got my ADHD diagnosis and it feels so good to have a doctor, a psychiatrist in fact, confirm my belief. After about three or four years of figuring out I have ADHD and then trying to make everyone else believe me when I say I do, it feels like a huge weight off. Dean deserved to feel that. He deserves to put a name to his differences and be in charge of his life instead of letting his anger, confusion and impulses control him. If anyone else is worried that you might have something and don't know whether to pursue a diagnosis, my two cents are that it has only improved my life. I was diagnosed with bipolar affective disorder in 2014, and it allowed me to go on medication, which snapped me out of the worst period of anxiety I've ever gone through, and also a psychotic episode that featured talking walls and a swarm of Christmas beetles. Trust me, we all need help sometimes, and some people like me need more help than others, but you can take control of the forces in your life that hold you back. As my mother used to say to me when I was a child, the world is your oyster. It really fucking does get better, and since I started on the right antidepressants for me, my life has improved so goddamn much. The world is fucked right now, and it's impossible to even function on most levels. We all need therapy. I myself have a GP, a psychiatrist, and a psychologist, and they keep me relatively sane. I wouldn't be alive if I didn't have years and years of ongoing therapy and the good drugs. Plus I journal every day and practice gratitude, I'm still crazy, but the craziness is contained and it doesn't hurt me anymore. Despite never going to therapy, Dean grows from being a loner with one friend, his own brother, to someone with a wealth of connections and family. He picks up new people to love like his Velcro, and when he goes in, he goes all in. He would die for the people he loves. He's constantly putting himself in danger to protect his loved ones. In the season 6 episode Let It Bleed, Dean captures and tortures demons in an effort to find out where Crowley took Lisa and Ben. He then has Cass wipe their memories so they don't remember him and can live their lives without him, at his own great distress. 
In season five, he goes to Stull Cemetery to impinge on the fight between Lucifer and Michael just to be there for Sam. As Dean says, he's not going to let Sam die alone. That being said, I do have to talk about Dean's very few, but ultimately life-ruining flaws. His emotional dysregulation makes his moods unpredictable at best. By virtue of his black and white thinking, he forces the people he loves to choose sides between him and other characters, such as Sam and Ruby, Cass and Crowley, Mary and the British Men of Letters, and Cass and Jack, and when they don't choose him, he passive-aggressively, and sometimes just aggressively, tortures them until something else usurps their betrayal. His anger issues are part to none, and often get him in a lot of trouble. But since he is the main character, he never really faces consequences for this, and neither does he mature. Even in the final season episode, The Trap, when Dean admits how angry he is and how wrong he was for taking it out on Cass when Jack died, near episodes later in Unity, he turns Jack into a nuclear reactor to take out God, and Jack dies again. His characterization in the last few seasons, especially in regards to Jack, is all over the place. I would have to start a murder board to explain how Dean feels about Jack and how he reacts to what Jack does in every episode, like pictures and red string and everything. And even then, I would not be able to comprehend what exactly the writers did and what they thought they were doing. But unlike me, Dean always believes the best in people until proven otherwise, and he does always come around to the people who atone for their sins. Even when Sam refuses to get his soul back in season 6, Dean keeps trying until Sam is put right. Between seasons 7 and 8, he spends a year in purgatory looking for Cass, despite how Cass sent Sam insane, ingested billions of monster souls, and became God like must be Tuesday. When the people he loves choose him, he chooses them back. But even when they betray him, lie to him, deceive him, and hurt the other people in his life, he can't stop loving them. He never stops loving Sam or Cass or Jack or Mary or John or Bobby. He loves with everything he has. He is, as Cass says, a being of love. Well, that was a lot of words and I feel like I only just scratched the surface. Like, realistically, I just talked about family and ADHD. There is just so much to Dean Winchester that maybe I'll make another episode sometime. But I am definitely making an episode purely about Dean's gender presentation and sexuality in the future. You can find the show at Holy Hell Pod on Tumblr, where I post transcripts for the episodes, and Instagram, where I post memes. I don't see myself doing an episode about Sam anytime soon, not because I don't like Sam, but because I can't stand Jared Padalecki. He's done some things that I can't support, and I'm really bad at separating the art from the artist, especially when the art is something like Supernatural, which is not art. Supernatural is an experiment. It's not Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry. Like, Jared Padalecki didn't invent rock and roll, you know what I'm saying? However, if you really want me to do an episode about Sam, you can pay me 101 Australian dollars and 50 Australian cents at patreon.com slash holyhellbod. I'll talk to you next time.